Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is uh, our 10th episode. This is Podstarter. I'm John Burns. I'm Reese Waters. And we've got a real interesting conversation today where, um, being our 10th episode, we've had great conversations to date talking about uh, successes and, and changes and shifts and, and how people have sort of navigated uh, to where they are now. Uh, and this conversation, Reese, that you have uh, had today is a little bit different than that. Yeah, I guess um, we've really made the effort to talk to these established shows that have got five years of experience and were there at the, you know, the golden age when nobody else was doing it. But uh, today's show is about Hyacinth Podcast, which has been created by uh, a lady called Carmel. And the exciting thing about this is that she's only released one episode. Although all those other people can remember the first episode, there's a certain rawness to speaking to her about the immediate um, expectations for episode two and how she's feeling that I felt we could capture and uh, offer real value to people who are just about to launch their first episode. It's it's like I say, it's a it's a different perspective. Typically, we think of let me talk to somebody who's who's done this and found some success, somebody experienced and tenured, because what you glean from that are usually you know the 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 nuggets, the the uh, here are the pitfalls, and, and we've heard great things about making sure you've got passion, all that kind of stuff. But having a conversation with Carmel, it it's. Uh, the easy conversation often is, I've got an idea about a podcast. I'm so excited. This is what I want to do. That's the easy one. The next step becomes, now that I've launched, I've just started, everything is raw. Everything is fresh. Everything is new. And what an interesting perspective to sort of pick up on because after when we launched our first 10, we had no idea what the outcome was going to be. And as we started to get a little bit of success, the excitement starts to build and and you get to a different state. Carmel is, is in, in that point that many of our audiences are thriving to be in. I've just done this. I've just started this. Hmm. Now what? And also I feel like Carmel's great because she's one of those people who's doing it in a, her own unique, interesting way. Her idea and her concept is unique. She's editing it and putting the episodes together in a very unique way. Um, she had an event. She did a live record to launch the podcast, which is a really kind of like bold, ambitious thing to do for somebody. Uh, and also she, she's got a good website. Uh, she's she's really thought about branding and her social media. So she's someone who's doing it the right way. Why should our listeners listen to this particular podcast? Is there something specific that you've learned from her that we uh, uh, that you might want to share right now? There, the, you, there's a lot you can learn from from someone who's just gone through that process, just gone through those first few records, and has just launched. And she's she's just about to release episode two, or will you know be releasing episode two after after the conversation we had. So there's a raw energy, there's an anticipation, there's expectation building, there's a real kind of chemistry there and a real uh, excitement around uh, the process she's going through that I think people will find um, relatable if you've already gone through it and also insightful if you haven't. It's it's not abnormal to be sort of stuck in that moment of, of, of fear and enthusiasm. Exactly. Right? It, it is uh, it's temporary uh, and we can all look back at it and try to remember how we first felt. But it is, it's a balance between those two. It, it is the good and the bad, uh, but it is potential. And she's right on the edge of that and excited to, to move forward. So on that note, let's uh, have a listen with uh, Reese Waters having a conversation with uh, Carmel for Hyacinth Podcast. Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Uh, hi, Carmel. Uh, thanks so much for uh, talking to us on Podstarter. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Carmel Michael, and I'm a writer and a musician, and I run a podcast called 
Hyacinth podcast that um, combines scholarly research. I'm also a grad student. Um, so it combines kind of scholarly research with the work of artists and writers and kind of tries to bring some of those big ideas down to earth into a place where we can kind of understand them. It's a really cool podcast. It's very ethereal. It's not necessarily, it doesn't fit the stereotypical mold of people sat around a table talking. It's got yeah. a lot of real world kind of um, interactions. You use a lot of kind of creative design in the audio. It's really cool. So how did you come about with the idea for the show in terms of um, making it sound the way it does? Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, it, it is, I. so the way that I approach the idea of like, making anything is sort of, you know, what matters to me and what do I think is moving and interesting. So I'm coming at it from the background of being a songwriter and a musician recording artist. So I already have this understanding of, you know, how you can create atmosphere, how you build dynamics and how you kind of take a listener on a bit of a journey, like not to sound too cheesy, but how we can like actually create an emotional response to something that's where I come from as sort of an artist. And then as a writer, I'm always thinking about structure. So, you know, where do we need movement? Where do we need stillness? Where do we, and how do the things work together rhythmically? Um, so I just apply all of that to the idea of the podcast. And I, I wanted it to be more than just an interview conversation, although I think conversation and interview can be done extremely well. But I wanted it to have this other layer of aesthetic. So when we talk about like really complex or difficult, like academic scholarly ideas, when I'm interviewing a professor, um, I want people to not only like learn something intellectually, but also to kind of go on the emotional trip that I go on when I learn something that like really affects my view of the world. So people should like listen to this and like learn something but also feel something. That's my kind of, that's my goal with it anyway. And that's a really cool ambition. You know, academia is not always the most emotional or the most emotionally <laughs> engaging topic. And right. uh, to try and bridge, you know, th those two worlds is is really cool. One of the things that I really want to stress at the, at the top of this episode as well is that you're new to this and you literally just have launched your first episode haven't you yeah exactly I mean I would love to like skip ahead a couple of years and just be such a pro at this but <laughs> you know it is also fun for me always to be like creatively being at the very beginning of something is some of like the best parts of the creative process I don't know if you feel the same way about making stuff but when everything is so new and 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 like it's unknown territory you have to map out and figure out your workflow and figure out your voice in this space um, that's the really, really fun part for me. Definitely me too. I love starting things. The real challenge for me is finishing them. <laughs> yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, um, with, with the show you've, you've done, um, a previous episode and you've done one episode. How, how has the kind of experience gone so far in terms of, uh, what you imagined making a, a podcast or launching a podcast would be like compared to the reality of what happened? Yeah, um, you know, the idea kind of came to me pretty fully formed as far as the vision of what I wanted the podcast to sound and feel like. Um, but I definitely at the very beginning did not understand, you know, how much work that was going to be and to accomplish it the way that I wanted to, you know, and also the kind of absolutely like, 
a consistent amount of work it requires. Like there's never a time where I'm not either doing research for an episode, arranging an interview, doing an interview, doing post-production, doing editing, or writing a script or writing the music. Like there's never a time where I'm not working on episodes. So I've made a whole bunch of episodes and I have a whole bunch kind of partially in production, um, but I've only released one. And so there's an interesting dichotomy where I might be more advanced in my understanding of how I'm going to make episodes, but publicly there's only one out there in order to give me public feedback. Um, so right now I'm kind of negotiating between, you know, still finding my voice and how I want the podcast to feel, but then also only having a small sample of feedback to go on because I only have one episode. So you've, you put that first episode out there. What, what kind of feedback did you get and what kind of, um, uh, insight did, did you see that you could learn from? Yeah. Um, you know what it's so, okay. So the biggest thing I learned is it's so gratifying when people, reach out to you on social media or messages and give you their feedback and tell you that they, you know, the episode moved them or it reminded them of something or they share a story with you. That's like, to me that like, that's it. That means I have succeeded and that's great. So I've gotten like this beautiful feedback on the first one. And, and to me, that means like, okay, the only thing it tells me is I'm on the right track and I have to keep going and keep pushing myself to do that again and better basically right and to grow the audience from there so the feedback so far has been super great and because what i'm trying to build is a very kind of connected loyal and very engaged audience like i'm not just looking at like numbers i basically you know i want people who connect and it makes them think and share stories and build a community around the podcast so for me, it's a bit more qualitative than quantitative. And so I'm definitely getting feedback that tells me, okay, Carmel, keep going, you know? And that's the that's the slippery slope of podcasting is that you you made a thing with something in mind that would make people feel a certain way and you've succeeded and now you've got that feedback. You just want to keep making more. <laughs> exactly. And that's also scary because <laughs> it's scary because you know, you know, that you can't get lazy. So you like an audience is so smart and what's out there in the world for people to consume is so good and there's so much of it that never for a second can you take advantage of your audience or assume that what you're doing is good like I feel like the second episode that I'm about to put out on Monday is way scarier for me to put out than the first one because I feel like now I have a benchmark that I need to surpass. And, and I, and you kind of say like, Oh, no, are people going to not feel as connected to this one as the last episode? Or is this going to reach more people or less people? And you start to kind of analyze it more. Whereas with the first episode, I think I felt a little bit um, brave, you know, I was just like, well, here's the thing I did, let's see what happens, right? You're weighed down in expectation now already. Like, you get it. <laughs> I feel like I, it's a responsibility, like not to get too heavy, but when you're trying to make something that is like, you know, has a kind of social conscious about it, consciousness about it, but also is kind of art. But also like I have this goal of like building an engaged community and a conversation around what I'm doing. I mean, the goals might be like, at the end of the day, I'm just like, a person with a perspective and a certain skill and I'm just putting a thing out and it doesn't matter. It's not changing the world in any way, but 
I think connecting with people is really important to me. That's what was important to me in my songwriting career. And it's what is important to me, even in like my scholarly work. So if that's your goal, like, then, then there is a bit of um, a standard you have to reach every time. And I like that because it drives me, right? It keeps me on my toes and I can't get lazy. If I know that people are going to listen and they have an expectation, then I need to like stand up and like live up to that. And, and that's, that's the um, kind of paradox of, of success as well is when, once when the stress you feel because you want to make something that is accepted and celebrated as in terms of uh, the creative work that you produce but yeah. once you reach that point the new stress that you experience in terms of maintaining that level or improving on as you're saying is is if anything more powerful than the initial stress where you had no pressure <laughs> apart from the pressure you put on yourself so yeah. this is is um definitely um a real motivator and and how, how do you feel about that second episode is it is it going to be released soon yeah so it comes out on october 7th um i love this episode it's so interesting and eclectic um it's called falconry and trauma so it's these kind of two like disparate ideas and it's it's kind of like leaves a question of like how are these things related but the interviews um are really varied and diverse and it's kind of a topic that matters a lot to me. I get a little bit personal and we also hear some like amazing stories. And, um, I think like I love it. And I think I always get scared a little bit when I love something. Cause you know, the old, like famous thing about writers where like, you're supposed to quote unquote, kill your darlings, which means like, if you love it, it's probably kind of bad and you probably should delete that section. <laughs> <laughs> so I get a little worried when I, um, when I really feel great about something, but I think there's a kind of, um, like there's, there's something about just kind of trusting your gut on some of this stuff that you just have to go with. And you know what? Like, the tragedy is going to be what that maybe one person connects to it and another person doesn't. And you just like try again on your next episode. <laughs> I don't know what else I could possibly do. You've got a very distinct kind of uh, style and tone to, to the episodes. Did you uh, go into that with a view to the kind of audience you imagine would, would enjoy that format? Or was that just a format that you, you knew that you would enjoy putting together in the first place? <clears throat> well, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I, I remember you saying actually in a, like a seminar you put on about podcasting that, you know, you have to kind of do you, I mean, that's the kind like, you were like, do like, do the thing that you want to hear. I remember you saying something like that. And did I say something that <laughs> you said, intelligent? Is that? <laughs> you did. You're like, make the, make the podcast you want to listen to, you know, it was to that effect. And I thought that's kind of really great because what motivated me is, um, to make it to actually like take the step to making a podcast was that I listened to a lot of podcasts that are like, um, basic more like interviews. Um, like one of my favorites is on being with Krista Tippett and she does these amazing hour long conversations with amazing people. And I listen to them all the time. And there's a lot, I listen to like a lot of like, you know, political intellectual ones. And then I listen to some like fun ones, but I wanted something in the space that was, like could make me think like kind of have this like intellectual feel, but was shorter. So my episodes are like 20 to 25 minutes. So like you can listen to it while you're walking to work or on the bus or drive, you know, it's like, it's a short moment that could become part of your day. 
And it's, it's like condensed enough to really give you something, but in a short period of time. So partially I was thinking like, what's the thing that I wish I could listen to right now that I can't find. And I was also thinking like, what is the thing, like the little gift that I can make to give people, which can kind of like fill this gap that I'm seeing. So there's a lot of content where it's a lot of talking and it's really interesting. And then there's like, kind of more like, like there's like the podcast, like dramas that are like, you know, scripted that have kind of an, a narrative feel. I wanted something in the middle. Like I wanted to tell a story that was also a conversation that also had music, but was like short and condensed enough to walk away with. And so I guess it was a bit of like, what do I want to hear? And what do I think would be cool to like add to the massive landscape of podcasts that are out there already that people can choose from? That's a really cool way of looking at it, especially the kind of gift that you can give people um, and, and how you could construct that is a really n- nice way that sets you up with a kind of authentic kind of goal, really, where you're just creating something that you love, that you hope other people will love too. That's always the best way to go into this kind of this world because you can literally create anyone can create anything about any topic. So you need to do something that matters. And if it matters to you, there's a good chance that it'll matter to somebody else as well. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, I kind of learned that from coming up in the music industry because I started making music and making albums like just before the complete shift to digital streaming services. So like when I first started touring like a decade ago, like I still would like play small clubs and sell CDs and like meet people face to face. And it was like sometime around my second album where like, or third maybe where like stuff really started shifting and, and the the whole industry was like, whoa, there is so much music out there and people consume music so widely compared to how they did like when I was a kid growing up, like listening to CDs. Right. So I, there was something about understanding how that worked in music that like, it didn't so much matter. Like what, what matters isn't like what you're making so much. It's more that like you're making something real that you like you believe in because there's tons of amazing music and there's, tons of podcasts and there's some people doing amazing work in the podcast field and then there's a lot of noise like there are a lot of like kids sitting around their table talking to their friends about stupid stuff which is okay too like that's fine I kind of like that the medium allows this like hugely democratic conversation of pop culture etc but there's always going to be a segment of the audience that is like really discerning and wants a really well curated thing. Now, one of the things that I think you did really well, you had a a clear strategy to launch your show. So you didn't just kind of record something and put it out there and just then, you know, waited for the amendment to build. You'd already kind of built a website and you had a live launch event with interviews with really interesting people that was very much in the tone of what the show would be did that come from a music background in terms of knowing how to promote your your own work um yeah I think probably the idea of being like a live performer uh, informed my like desire to do a live launch for sure because I feel comfortable like in that space of presenting or talking or you know performing in front of people um but I also because I'm trying to build this kind of really genuine connection to my audience I didn't want to be just like a faceless person behind a microphone in their headphones 
I wanted to start out by having that kind of face-to-face interaction with the beginnings of an audience. And I wanted to also test out, you know, for me, if the format of my interview abilities or the, the topics that I'm working on, if they don't work in a real human context of sitting down in a chair across from someone and having a conversation, if it didn't work that way, then I kind of was, was doing something wrong. And I think I needed to know that. Um, and there's a million things I would do differently about my live launch, like from a technical standpoint and everything. But it did teach me that um, there's interest in this, as in like, you know, there was an audience, most of whom I didn't know who they were. And they, they came because they were interested in the podcast and the people I was interviewing. And I learned that, you know, I can, I can um, kind of curate a conversation like with a really diverse set of people around a theme. And that's something I think I kind of needed to know would work. And then if it works live, then you can definitely edit that together and make it work. So some of it was just kind of proving to myself that this was a tangible thing and a kind of more like down to earth, like grassroots way of starting my audience. You've definitely hit the ground running with that. I, I like the idea of the live show uh, as kind of, if the, if I can make this work in front of a live audience of complete strangers, then I can certainly make this work when I have more time and more attention to really craft this in and shape it a little bit more. Is it, I like the, um, the boldness of that. <laughs> well, I kind of think like, you know, jump in, why not? Life is short, yeah. right? But I, but I do think like, I, quality matters a lot to me. And so like, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm like jogging and some of them like really hold my attention and others I'm like skipping through the episodes all the time. Right. So every time you're, you're listening, you're taking pieces away of like what works for me and what doesn't, but it's all completely, completely subjective. Right. And some people will listen to my podcast and just like not, it, it won't do it for them. And that's totally cool. Cause there are millions of other podcasts for them to listen to. Right. Exactly. But, <laughs> and like, that's, that's great. Like, look at us. We live in this like world of creative renaissance where like almost anyone can make anything. And I will never say that's a bad thing, but for what I make and what I put into the world, I want it to be something I'm like really proud of and that people connect to. And I guess that's kind of like the best that I can do. (laughs) (laughs) Having come from like a broadcast world where when you want to create a show, you've got to pitch an idea. You've got to, you know, always aim for the middle in the sense of you want to get a broad audience. Every time that a TV show or a radio station puts money into something, they want it to reach as broad an audience as possible. Podcasting is the opposite. You know, you can look at it from, well, you don't have that hanging over you. You can just make something that, you know, will only be appreciated by a certain percentage of people, but you know that they will appreciate it way more than a mass audience would be and fed something that is designed to have such wide appeal, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, again, so that goes back to like, as a maker uh, as of a podcast, like if you appreciate that about it, then I think you'll make better work, hopefully. I mean, what do I know? But <laughs> I, I do know, like, when I was growing up as a little kid, I, I was, I grew up in like a really rural part of Cape Breton in Nova Scotia. And, um, we didn't have a TV when I was a kid. Like I'm not that old, but like we lived in a really rural place and my parents were like kind of hippies and they just didn't, I didn't have a normal upbringing. But the one thing I did always have was the radio was always on in our house. I will always remember like the tone of voice that like growing up with these like 
this constant kind of voice, sound of stories, sound of ideas in my head, I really think that was hugely influential to my desire to make a podcast eventually. I'm very jealous of your childhood. It sounds really cool. Um, <laughs> I, I spent most of my childhood sat in front of the TV watching the A-Team. So it was nice to... <laughs> yours is definitely more stimulated by the sound of it. <laughs> so, um, and in terms of the, uh, the future plans for uh, your podcast... Are you, um, you've got a few episodes in the bank, which is like really sensible, you know, just, just mm-hmm. to just finish them off. But what, what, what have you decided as your, as your release schedule and what are you hoping to kind of achieve within, within the first year, or are you just going to wing it and see what happens? No, I have a plan. Um, the, I'm putting out a curated episode like every month. So it comes every, the second Monday of every month, um, uh, an episode, like a regular episode comes out. But as I've been making them, you know, I, I've been able to talk to some like amazing people, really smart people, really great writers, really great thinkers. And so um, between the monthly episodes, which are like the branded, like fully curated versions, I'm also going to put out um, kind of complete interviews because, you know, I might talk to someone for like 40 minutes um and only use you know five to seven minutes of that interview in an episode because each episode I have like I talk to three people let's say so so much is lost then out of our conversation that we have and I really want to be able to share those full conversations with people so in between the monthly episodes I'm also going to release sort of full interviews with selected people so there's a little bit something to kind of carry you over and it goes deeper into and more broadly into the topic of the episode that had come out earlier that month. And it's just a way to kind of like give you guys, give the listeners a lot more of what I get to get when I have these conversations. So I'm really excited about having that option as well. But yeah, once a month, um, my goal is to do it for like a full season, which is going to be like 10 episodes. And um, then hopefully I will feel like I'm ready for a second season. <laughs> to, to go to the more boring technical stuff, although I get excited about microphones uh, probably more than I should, but what, what kind of setup are you using to, to record? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I actually like love this stuff and it's it's the area that I want to learn a lot more about. So when I'm, I actually do all of my editing and recording in, um, in Pro Tools because that's what I'm sort of trained in and used to from working in music. Um, That's pretty advanced. That's a very advanced package to use. Yeah, I mean, I don't use it to its full capacity in any way, but I have like, you know, all the the basic skills on it. Um, And then I'm using a Zoom recorder for my on-site interviews. So a lot of my stuff is done actually like in my little home studio via phone interviews. Um, I've done some like, um, I've actually started experimenting a little bit with like using FaceTime to get like video and audio interview at the same time. Um, but my, I actually really love the kind of phone interview, uh, format for some reason. There's something about it that I just really like interviewing that way, but I have been doing more and more like in-person interviews. And so I'm using just a little zoom recorder with two microphones. And so far that's working well for me. Um, because what I do is so heavily edited it leaves me with a lot of options right but I definitely want to up my game as far as um the microphones I have because a lot of the the recording equipment that I'm using I originally had in my studio for making music so some of it's kind of more geared that way um and it kind of is either overkill or not quite what you need for doing podcasting so I'm kind of transitioning some of my like equipment and skills to be more 
um, applicable to vocal, like interview recording, which is a really different thing than recording an instrument. I'm learning. You're lucky to be um, in a position of strength where you you at least have some equipment and a lot of experience with that equipment to to be able to start modifying. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, at least the kind of you know how it is. Like when you have skills for something, you can be way more creative, right? So as far as like, I think that's why I've ended up making like a really edited product is because I, I actually really love the editing process. And I, I know some people really hate that. Um, <laughs> so I kind of feel lucky that I do love that really, that like wormhole you go down when you get into that really tiny, like cutting out breaths and all the, like the very little, little um, editing stuff. I actually find it really calming i love that kind of work it is a definite kind of niche um where you've a certain kind of brain enjoys uh doing that and uh, i think a lot of people find it quite off-putting but yeah I, there's this there's some real fun in terms of how much you can craft and and shape just in the editing process it can become quite addictive once you you get into it totally but you know what i actually just learned um kind of the hard way in editing my second episode that you can also very over edit right like you can because yeah. i'm trying to condense everything down so much that like you can end up with a 20 minute show and be like oh that's great but you're missing something you're missing something that that allows the relationships to connect or like that allows people to you need to give, you know, enough of each guest that the listener can kind of get to know them and trust them a little bit before they hear the big important thing they have to say. And I, I learned the hard way that I actually like edited too much and I had to go do an entire remix and like bring more back into it. And it ended up a few minutes longer than my first mix, but way better. So that was like a, a really important lesson that I that I learned recently. Yeah, I, I remember um quite early on in my career that I used to just try and cram as much in as possible and then something that I learned over time was that just adding breathing space in between that content too where nobody's talking there's maybe just some music or some atmos gives people time just to relax and absorb the information and that sometimes it can be quite off-putting if you just bombard people constantly too so it's, it's getting a right balance is a, a good edit can really improve something but you're right you can edit something so much that it's just hard to digest yeah and i you know what i also as you can probably tell like naturally i i talk quite quickly <laughs> in my natural conversation and so when i'm recording my like my narration for each episode i actually go into like i have to really train myself because i wanted it to to be a really like kind of gentle vocal style and like quiet and slow on purpose, which is kind of the opposite of how I normally talk. So I actually had to go and like re-record my whole narration for episode two several times because I listened back and was like, what? I'm rushing. I'm not using the tone of voice I want. Like things are are not feeling right to me. And yeah, just learning like how to get yourself into the headspace to record your vocal the way you want it to sound and to keep it consistent across episodes is like, it's quite an exercise. Uh, I wondered if you had any advice from your uh, initial start in podcasting, what you've done since your launch, your first episode that would be of value to somebody else who is thinking about starting their own podcast as well um yeah gosh do I have advice I probably shouldn't be giving advice but I would say like don't don't do this unless you love it like you know like 
it's a lot of work and, um, and I don't think you'll make something that great if you're not having fun or loving what you do. And I think that like the listener, the audience, like we owe that as makers to the people who are listening to us that like having an audience is a privilege. And and that's something that I kind of take seriously. But the other thing is like, get really good at time management and project management, and it'll probably make your life easier <laughs> as far as like understanding like production schedules. And like, these are things that I'm very much still working on, but like, I think that I would have liked to have been much stricter with how I planned out the production schedule of making episodes and kind of like, you know, make a bunch of episodes before you even think about going live with them because you're going to learn so much in the first few episodes that you make that will like really help um, as far as like planning out and when to release and how much time you need. And, you know, it's a commitment. So like do it, love it, but do it well, you know? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to subscribe and keep listening. And um, I, I hope the second episode uh, goes down as, as well as the first one has. Cool, and yeah. Um, would you like to plug the the show uh, and give a bit of information about where people can find it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find Hyacinth Podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Um, and you can also stream it on hyacinthpodcast.com and on all the social media sites where um, at Hyacinth Podcast. So pretty easy to find. Do definitely subscribe and, and connect and hopefully there'll be something there for you. Perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this, Reese. Fun conversation. No problem at all. Visit podstarter.io to find out how we can help you build the podcast you and your audience needs. To listen to more episodes, search Podstarter wherever you find your podcasts or visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Podstarter is produced in Nova Scotia, Canada by podstarter.io.